You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. It's a bad start to the season. I've seen worse. There's still a lot of games left. It's not over yet. They're not that far back. Anything can happen. It's baseball. They could go on a run over the next couple of weeks, and all this tension and apprehension and hand-wringing would just seem silly, right? Or not. That's what it is to be a White Sox fan. How did I say I was going to start off every show on the last episode? Fire, fire Rick Hahn. Fire Kenny fire Williams. Han, fire, fire Rick Hahn, fire Kenny Williams, Jerry Selvatine. Jerry Selvatine and fire Jake Diekman into the sun. Uh, Jake Diekman yes. will not be fired into the sun just yet because Joe Kelly was activated, but Lucas Giolito goes on the bereavement list. But he will return at some point, and I'm really curious as to what they're going to do at that point because the wrong thing to do would be to move down or move on from an unlikely good pitcher in the bullpen Somebody like Gregory Santos, Middleton, like moving them off the roster to make room so that you could keep a guy like Jake Diekman or moving Tanner Banks down for some reason, which would just be like, what, what are you doing, right? He's, he's clearly a better pitcher who throws from throws with his left arm than Diekman. But I mean, like, like what do you think they'll actually do? Because that's the, I think that's the, really the root of the problem at this moment for the White Sox. It really is a crossroads moment for the team. Will you make the decision in which the best 26 players are on the roster every single time it comes time to decide who goes away to make room for somebody that you think is better than them? Or will you continue to wait on guys because you need to keep waiting on them and eventually it's all going to work out and we're going to play that game until July? Well, you're running out of time aren't you? You're running out of time to sit there and say, we can wait, we can wait, we can wait, because the standings suggest that you can't. You can't wait any longer. There's just there's nothing to wait around for. You are already, as we're sitting here, I mean, five games behind, which doesn't sound ridiculously bad, but at the same time, you're also behind Detroit. You're almost there with Kansas City. Those are the two teams that everybody, when they were looking at the AL Central, went, okay, those guys don't count. They're just cannon fodder. And that's what you're down there with. And that's uh, You're cannon fodder. You're cannon fodder right now. You're you're the bums that other teams are slaying. Like that's what you are at this point. That's what the Rays did to bolster their lead over the Orioles over the weekend was they just bum slayed the White Sox and and increase their lead because the Orioles are breathing down. The Orioles, the Baltimore freaking Orioles are breathing down Tampa Bay's neck right now. The last time the Chicago White Sox were relevant in the baseball world was in 2021. Let's be honest. Like we as White Sox fans may be very excited about our team and may love our players and may say, oh, they have the potential to be this. And the front office may throw out as many different reasons why it's all going to be better this year. But really, the last time they were relevant was 2021 when they made it to the postseason. They have been relevant since. They're a middling ball club that hovers around 500 and comes out of the gate here. And in their first 22 games, 7-15. and I got this great tweet I want to read that I found, I know a lot of people saw it on White Sox Twitter. 
I know, I know Rick Hahn says he doesn't read White Sox Twitter, but I guarantee he did because I think he creeps on it all day long. That's why he reacts the way he does every time he talks about White Sox Twitter, and that's why anybody that's trying to defend him constantly brings up White Sox Twitter. This episode all brought to you by Cork and Carry at the Park, the home of the podcast for fans, by fans. We're going to have a good time no matter what happens this year because they've got great drink specials. They've got incredible food. They've got indoor, outdoor. It's family-friendly before the game. Get on over there. Have yourself a burger. They're award-winning. Try some of their ballpark favorites. It's a really great atmosphere. After the game, win or lose, it's a good time to be around White Sox fans. Let those parking lots clear out. They're in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton and learn more at CorkandCarry.com. Jay Kuda, who's been on this show before, he's one of these guys that gets on Twitter and just puts out stats, and sometimes he puts out silly things, okay? Sometimes he's just messing around, Ed. But he puts out one um, that I thought was great. The last time the White Sox started off uh, this badly through 22 games, this was the middle of their lineup. Listen to this. The last time the White Sox started a season with this record, 7-15, and the middle of their lineup was this. Batting third, Yomer Sanchez. Batting fourth, Wellington Castillo. Batting fifth, Daniel Palka. Batting sixth, Matt Davidson. Remember how long we waited for him to be good? Didn't happen. And batting seventh, our old friend Larry Garcia. That's how bad that team was. And this team is just as bad out of the league. (laughs) They're all out of the league. This team is just as bad as one of the rebuild teams. That's that's how bad this team is. They're awful. They're they're atrocious. I'm sick of listening to people sit there and say, oh, it's early or it's a small sample size. Why is it that the Pittsburgh Pirates don't have to wait two months to start playing well? They came right out of the gate and started playing well. And by the way, if you were in that division, you'd be 10 back and in last place. You're, I'm sorry, eight and a half back because Cincinnati has the same record. The Pirates are 16 and 7. The Brewers are 15 and 7. The Cubs are 12 and 9. The Cardinals are 9 and 13. And you'd be sitting there tied with the Cincinnati Reds at 7 and 15, 8 and a half back. You're lucky that you're in a division where the Twins are leading it at 12 and 10 right now because there's still hope if you could just flip the switch and start playing well. But the question really becomes as a White Sox fan, do you think it's possible? for them to start playing well. I see this stat that Tim Anderson, since he's gone, or when Tim Anderson hasn't played in a game or something like that, they're 2-9. and nine. And my question becomes, if your entire 26-man roster and the entirety of your franchise's hopes is affected by one guy getting injured, did you build the team properly? And I think the answer is no, you didn't. Well, because then you become, you become the Angels. Right, where where for years, especially in the pre Shohei Otani era, for years it was Mike Trout and a bunch of nothing, right, and a bunch of guys. So if the White Sox are Tim Anderson and a bunch of guys, well then the, what the what was the rebuild for exactly? What what did you do in the rebuild? What is it exactly you do here, Rick Hahn? That's the question, because you've constructed a team ostensibly, you've built a team around a bunch of stars. Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, for example, Michael Kopech, uh, Andrew Vaughn, and Luis Robert Jr., and Oscar Colas, and Aloy Jimenez. And you've supplemented them with young veterans like Andrew Benintendi. You've supplemented them with team leader-type mentor types like Elvis Andrews. You you kept Tim Anderson through all of that. Yohan Moncada is another guy that you relied on. 
You've got all these players, right? You've got all this talent that you're supposed to have. And we're sitting here going, okay, the Orioles, though, are kind of doing it right because they're developing guys sort of out of nowhere, like Tyler Wells, who's taking a huge step this year. Did you see and, my guy? Did you see my guy we talked about in the offseason who I said that's the guy they should give they should give players to? And they should go go out and grab because he he was he's basically a utility player for the Orioles. Jorge Mateo. You see how well he's hitting this year? He's killing it. Oh my it. gosh. He's on fire. He's absolutely on fire. Remember when I pointed out? Remember when I pointed out that a defensive player like that who can run with speed, okay, and you're gonna take the shift away, this guy's gonna have a huge year and break out at the age of twenty seven. And and there were people who said afterwards in the comments that would write things like, Oh, you're just reaching. That guy is on absolute fire to start the season. That's the guy who should have been at second base instead of Elvis Andrus. And don't tell me that he wasn't available. When you look at the amount of talent that the Orioles are bringing up and what he had done up to this point, that you couldn't have moved one of these names that you're still waiting on to be good. He's better than the majority of your lineup right now. But you didn't have the forethought. You didn't have the 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 gumption, the gall the ability to sit there and say, we should take a chance and switch things up a little bit and go out and get this player or a guy like him. And there's guys all over Major League Baseball right now out to really good starts that would have been readily available. I, I kept hearing there were going to be trades. I just never saw any trades materialize. And I, and I look at a team that that it, we can look at their stats right now. We can, we can walk through right now. What are the biggest holes right now on the team? Biggest holes on the team right now at the plate? They're sitting at second base. They're sitting at the guy who's backing up Tim Anderson, who was a second baseman. They're sitting out in right field because even though he's a rookie, he's not producing very well. And neither is Ben Zobris 2.0. It's the same problem every year. Every right. year it's the same problem. You could have gone, you, you should have gone out and gotten a, a, a higher end starting pitcher because the idea that it was impossible that a Lance Lynn wouldn't take a step back. A guy who really throws three different versions of the same pitch that somehow he may not take a step back as he ages out. And we had seen him have some struggles already. And we had seen him have problems with his knees. But you go with the reclamation project and Mike Clevenger because you won't go out and be a big boy club and sign a real like mainstay in the middle of the rotation. You couldn't go out and play with the other, the other kids in the sandlot and go find legitimate starting pitching that you could see performing that was available in the offseason all throughout Major League Baseball. And that's what the team is. The team is a, a, a group that was put together. But I, when it came time for talent evaluation and being able to identify major leaguers or guys on the cusp of joining the majors or names that weren't sitting on everybody's top 10, the top 100 list, where some nerd in his basement can go online and look up, these are the top whatever that are about to break out and they're on 15 different sites. The inability to go out and actually scout for yourself and identify talent and bring it in is the reason why your team is never going anywhere. And it's the reason why a team like the Tampa Bay Rays with a much lower payroll is always much, much better than you because they know what they're doing over there and you don't know what you're doing. You have a top 10 payroll. You're out to a, you're out to a seven and 15 start. That's, that's disgusting. Socks in the Basement listeners, switch to a new age of life. Keep mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, even yourself out of assisted living. As you get older, you want to be able to get around on your own. 
Live independently, and Hyatt Home Medical Equipment has stair lifts, ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, and even bathroom remodeling that is not going to break the bank. They work with your insurance. If you mention socks in the basement, you're getting an additional discount, and they have 0% financing for qualified individuals. If you're just somebody with a CPAP machine and you're unhappy with your vendor, switch and get supplies directly mailed to you by Hyatt. Plus, test it all out at their showroom. They also have the latest in continuous glucose monitors. Learn all about what they have to offer, everything I mentioned, and more at hhme.com or stop in and see them today, 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. You're talking about, okay, so you're talking about the Orioles, the Pirates, and the Rays, which are, are three different teams that have rebuilds going on. And the Rays are a team because they're a small market team that are constantly reinventing themselves, right, and finding young talent. So Harold Ramirez is playing in the outfield, playing DH for them. It was a guy who could not get it done for the Guardians, who, who always need hitting. And Cleveland lets him go, and the Rays see something in Ramirez. They tool his swing around a little bit, and now he's making good on what were high exit velocities but with a poor launch angle. So they fixed him. They saw talent, and they fixed it. The Sox don't seem to be able to do that. Okay, I mentioned Tyler Wells of the Orioles. Wells is a guy that is fringy at best. He's, he doesn't have great stuff. However, he's a guy that has steadily improved every year for the Orioles, made a jump to a starting rotation last year, showed that he knows how to pitch in games and go through the lineup a couple of different times, shows that he knows what he's doing, he knows how to pitch. That's a huge thing for starting pitchers, okay? How do you pitch? How do you approach this stuff? And they, they can't identify that within their own system. Michael Kopech is the perfect example of the inability to distinguish between raw talent and actual baseball talent for the White Sox, okay? I don't question Michael Kopech's arm, or his stuff for one second. I really don't. But Michael Kopech is averaging less than five innings a start right now. Am I am I correct in saying that's that? That's correct. And he and I, I want to say, yeah, less than five innings a start. And that's what he was last year as well. He's not a guy who's ever going to go deep. He, he's shown that. He's not a pitcher that's going to go out there and consistently get you deep in the games. He can't get through the lineup three times. Well, And that's, that's just it. But here's why you can't get through the lineup if you're Michael Kopech. Because major league hitters can hit fastballs. Major league hitters can hit sliders. Major league hitters need to be thrown off. They need to get three different looks if you're going to go through the lineup three different times. Dylan Cease, I hate to say it, is also kind of in that same camp. He just has better stuff than Michael Kopech. He's got a more varied arsenal, so he has the ability to do it. He's just not efficient as much. But Kopech, why was he so effective in the bullpen in a multi-inning role or in a high leverage role? Because he's got a great arm. He's got electric stuff. He can get through a whole lineup one time. You can see him once and not be able to touch him, even if you know what's coming. But you can't do it twice. You can't do it three times with that because by the second and third time around, the fastball's just a little bit less crisp because you're getting tired. Right. He's going to make a mistake like he did in the in that game against Tampa Bay, and it was in the first inning. And the, the sliders are going to hang a little bit more. Generally, he's fairly good when he comes through a lineup the first time, which is why I said on the last show, I, I think you improve the team immediately when you bring up somebody uh, like a Sean Burke or, or another. You, you bring up Davis Martin and you let him be the fifth starter and you move him into the bullpen because you strengthen your bullpen because now his role is different and he would thrive there. And you can't tell me that bringing up a replacement level AAA pitcher isn't going to average 
the same or less than one run an inning, which is what he did in the last game against Tampa Bay. And he's putting on so many guys on base. I don't know what step down you have. And people sit there and say, well, it's a small sample size. Okay, fine. The argument I make is this. When does it get better for him? When does he become what he was promised to be? That music, thankfully, pulls us away from this discussion and brings us to the Sox nerd. He is brought to you by the law offices of Parente and Norum. When you're injured, you need a team that will do what it takes to fight for your rights. The insurance companies only care about one thing, their bottom line at the law offices of Parente and Norum. Their team has the experience, dedication, and proven results it takes to get you the care and compensation you deserve. Socks and Abasement listeners, for a free case evaluation, call or text them today, 312-641-5926, or visit pninjurylaw.com. Dave Marin, the Socks nerd, you can read his stuff right at SocksInTheBasement.com. How are you, my friend? Not bad, Chris. How are you? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm. In, are they going to get any better, Dave? Please tell me they're going to get better. Yes, they're going to get better. They have to, right? I mean, I don't think it can get worse. What do you got for me today? Take my mind off of this. Well, as I said last week, Chris, you know my jam. If I don't like what's happening on the field, I ignore it and turn my attention elsewhere. Today, that elsewhere is on the White Sox historical mound for a look at Wilbur Wood. Why Wilbur Wood? Well, besides the fact that I wish the Sox had him on their staff right now, Tuesday, that's April 25th, was the anniversary of two games that really typify the kind of pitcher Wilbur Wood was. 51 years ago Tuesday, Wood blanked Cleveland. Exactly a year later, he did the same thing to the New York Yankees. What's crazy about those games is that one was Wood's third consecutive shutout, and the other started the string of three consecutive shutouts. The latter whitewashing was part of a career-best 29-inning scoreless stretch for the portly left-hander. These gems came in the heart of Wood's prime. Wood relied on a knuckleball to make at least 42 starts with at least 14 complete games and 291 innings in each season between 1971 and 1975. His record in that stretch was 126-89 and for a 586 winning percentage. The team's winning percentage during that time was 486. In 1971, Wood's ERA was 1.91 in 334 innings. Even in his day, Wood was a unicorn, taking the ball on short rest and occasionally no rest at all. On June 24, 1973, Woody started both ends of a doubleheader. Wilbur took the loss in both games, which probably explains why no one has done that since. And more proof that this guy was a unicorn. In Wood's day, relievers were mostly failed starters. However, Wilbur was an excellent reliever who became an accomplished starter where he won 20 games four times, made three all-star teams, and finished in the top five in the Cy Young voting two times and probably should have won it in 1972. I hope one day the Sox retire Woods number 28 and give him a statue at the park, if for no other reason to acknowledge that a man can look like Wilbur Wood and still be a dominant big league pitcher. Now my zinger, Chris, are you ready? I'm ready. With the Sox flailing a little bit offensively, I thought I'd take a look at some of the worst hitters in team history. Do you want to take a guess at who among players with at least 220 at-bats owns the lowest batting average in White Sox history at 0.92? Larry Garcia. Chris, it's Wilbur Wood. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> um, among position players, it's Bill Voss, who played in the late 1960s at 152. And among players you've heard of, it's Joe Borchardt, 
at 191. So there it is, a few minutes on epic pitching and crappy hitting thanks to one man, the great Wilbur Wood. White Sox fans, I have an idea for you. If you want to just take a night off from the Chicago White Sox while they figure out whatever it is they need to figure out, Hailstorm Brewing Company is where you go because they don't have any TVs in there. Like, they pull down a big screen for, like, big games, but generally it's a beer hall that's a working brewery with an incredible tap room, and they started serving lunch now, so that kitchen is going all day long. That's a scratch kitchen with an incredible lineup of beers, Highly acclaimed brewer Will Turner bringing decades of experience and excellence to Hailstorm. He keeps coming up with new and exciting things. Live music on the weekends, Friday and Saturday nights. There's trivia throughout the week on different evenings, all kinds of other fun events. Go to hailstormbrewing.com. Check out everything they have to offer. You may bump into me and or Ed drinking a fine craft beer and taking a night off from the TV. Hailstorm Brewing, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue in Tinley Park. I know that when I was away and I was on my trip, Craig Toth from Bucks in the Basement, he's a friend of mine. He writes about the Pirates in Pittsburgh. We had had Socks in the Basement here for a couple of years, and he goes, hey, would you would you help me start a podcast? And I said, yeah, sure, fine. And I jump on, and he basically runs the show, and I just sit there and talk baseball with him. But because of that, I've got a little bit of knowledge about the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that's got a terrible payroll a team that's got a general manager in Ben Charrington who has nothing to work with because Bob Nutting makes Jerry Reinsdorf look like the guy from the Mets. He doesn't th- he he won't spend money on anybody. He's just cheap. He's a billionaire that is so much cheaper than Jerry Reinsdorf. He's an even worse owner than the owner we have and our owner should sell the team and show, so should Bob Nutting. The difference is though When they started their rebuild, one of the things that I pointed out, and I said it during Rick Hahn's rebuild on this show, is that in the end, I know, in the end, you have to, as a general manager, work within the constraints of your owner. Now, Ben Charrington had to go out with no money in a year when he wasn't expected to compete because they're still waiting for guys to come along. And look at the start the Pittsburgh Pirates had, and you can point directly to the ability of scouting Their pro scouting was incredible in the offseason. You're telling me the White Sox couldn't have picked up Connor Joe to play the outfield? He was available. He cost nothing. He hit 357 up to this point he's hitting right now for the Pirates with a 1,097 OPS and an OPS plus of 200. Andrew McCutcheon hitting 275, picked off the scrap heap, available to to, any team in baseball could have had him. With an 888 OPS, two guys fairly capable of being able to shore up your outfield issues that you've had for years. But you didn't go and do anything with that, did you? Then look at one of the guys that's off and running right now for them in their rotation. Our old friend Vince Velasquez. You had him in your system. And you couldn't identify that he was capable, after he got through his injuries, of going out there and posting a 1.25 whip, an ERA in the threes a FIP just a little bit above the ERA, so it shows that it's pretty legitimate. And he's gone out there and he's pitched five games and he's got 26 innings pitched. He's doing better than what a Michael Kopech is doing right now. That's just one team. That's one team that made a couple of minor moves. One team that went out there and grabbed scrap heap players late in free agency because they didn't have any money to spend. 
And their professional scouting was able to identify players that were able to come in and make an immediate impact. Like you didn't need a Carlos Santana, but they were even able to, uh, to, to say, you know what? He's still got something left in him. His OPS plus is over hundred right now at one Oh eight. So he's doing better than, than league average just picked up and thrown on the team because they need to fill in around the talent they're trying to bring up in their rebuild. And they hit on almost every single one of those scrappy free agents. And we can't find anything on this team. We meet Elvis Andrus and we see him have one good month and we go, well, he's good. Well, wait, he fell off at the end. No, no, no. We know him now. We like him. I met him. I like the cut of his jib. I think that he's got a square jaw. You know, I mean, he's, he says all the right things. Yeah, but I mean, but look at this. He's like a light bulb getting really bright before he goes out. No, no, no. We're going to ignore that. He's a White Sox for life now. We're going to bring him back. He's the big signing at the end right before spring training. I mean, this front office, the way, the way that they operate and their inability to scout professional talent. This is why they can't pull off a legitimate trade. This is why they get hosed in most trades that they make. And this is why, once again, we're off to a terrible start to kick off the year. I, they're going to they're gonna be here forever, though. I, I, Ed, I talked to somebody with knowledge of what's going on inside of that front office, and they told me, like, look, I don't want to give away too much, but the feeling inside the building is that Jerry just doesn't want to go through the process of getting new people in there. He's too old. So he's just waiting for it to work out. And if that's the case, shame on Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams for taking advantage of a guy who gave him a job for a couple of decades, even though they didn't deserve it. Step down and get out of there. You're no good at your job. Well, wait, wait, wait. Didn't Rick say that he would do that when he realized he wasn't good enough to do this? Yeah, he's never going to realize it, though. He's delusional. Right. At what point, point, though, do you look at this team and do you sit there and go, I rebuilt this team. And I, I went through this rebuild and I and I did all this amazing scouting and these trades of of high priced and soon to be high priced veterans. And I pulled together this amazing roster of talent that hasn't come close to reaching the potential that even the most positive talent evaluators had for them, which was these World Series aspirations. And I haven't been able to sit there and say a guy like Jake Berger, who who I've constructed a roster that I can't fit the guy here, and he's just plug in in case of an emergency, but I haven't been able to leverage this guy who clearly has value to a major league no, team. No, don't leverage him. I'm done with this. I want him on my team, right? I mean, at least he shows up and plays every day. He plays every day. I'm done with Moncada. Let, let Jake Berger stand at third. I'm not playing fantasy GM anymore. I don't care what they do because they're not going to make a trade. My point is, is that as a talent evaluator... As a guy who's constructing a roster, you you look at Jake Berger and you say either, I want to ride with this guy because I think he's got the talent and he belongs here and I got to find a spot for him, or you move on from him because he's 27 years old. You move on from him when he's got potential and when he's got value to get something that does fill a hole. He was never going to be your second baseman. If he's not going to be your third baseman or your DH or your first baseman, then you move him. What are you holding on to the guy for? This is this is where I get driven nuts thinking about the team and the moves that they could or could not make is for every move that is a no-brainer, like signing Andrew Benintendi to a major league average contract, and again, shame on the White Sox historically for that being the biggest contract in team history. But you you sit there and you just look at this and you go, okay, we've got all of this alleged talent, but the other teams, the teams that are succeeding, have depth. They have scouting. They have guys 
on guys on guys trying to get to the majors. And the Sox, when we talk about who could they bring up, who's their impact player that they could bring up, we're thinking maybe Davis Martin helps the rotation. Okay, that's one dude. We've tried bringing up second baseman. Romy Gonzalez, I'm sorry, he does not belong in the majors. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he has never proven anything. And right now, Ben Zobras 2.0 is hitting, what, 115? 115 with a 231 OPS. He's got got an OPS plus of negative 35. You don't see that very often. No, you don't see that very often. <laughs> you don't see it negative okay. very often, especially when 100 is supposed to be average. I didn't even know they went to the negatives, but according to this, he's in the negative. Evidently, they do. <laughs> okay. Here. And <laughs> listen, listen, Ed, Ed, and here's the thing. When I look at this, when I look at just the order, when I just look at the batting order and the, and the guys in the field, right? If I just narrow it down to that, right? I mean, on one hand, Yasmati Grandal is contributing. So that worked out. Remember when we sat there and said they need 20 things to go right? They need everything to go right? Well, some of them were going to go right, correct? So like his thing, at least out of the gate individually, went well. Andrew Vaughn is still somebody who you're hoping will develop, but he's not come out of the gate hot and you don't know how his season's going to end. It needs to go better than it's going right now, but okay, I could accept that if the rest of the team was built properly. You know, Andrew Benintendi even, sure, he's not hit any home runs, but we talked about that, that he has these seasons where he doesn't hit a lot of home runs and he hits well for average. I mean, he's on base one of every three times and he's hitting 282. He's not, I want him to do more. But I'm not like that isn't the reason why your team is bad right now. Your biggest issue is the fact that you've got guys that we're still sitting around waiting on. Right. We're still waiting on who's going to be the second baseman on this team. And we haven't found one for years. OK, we're still sitting around waiting on consistency for and, and guys who stay healthy and play consistently and then hit consistently. I'm not seeing it from Aloy Jimenez right now. Here's a guy who should be an absolute beast, shouldn't he? Shouldn't Aloy Jimenez be a beast? Shouldn't he, be, shouldn't he be absolutely yeah. incredible? I mean, it, it, what is the holdup now? And why is Luis Robert Jr. suddenly not, unable to hit for the last two weeks? Because he came out of the gate looking like he was ready to go, and now it's over. You know, and that's the problem. It's just this inconsistent team that that we're always sitting around waiting on. We're always waiting for them to finally get it put together. They get 162 games, and we're waiting for the majority of the games. Then we get to the end of it, and it's like, ah, disappointment. I mean, I can almost predict this season, can't you? And that's why I want to, like, like yes. I, I, I can already predict that what, what's going to happen to this team is that they're going to get on a run and they're going to get themselves back to 500. And they're going to be at around 500 at the All-Star break, right? And then you're going to go into a very disappointing trade deadline where the brain trust up there is going to screw it up. They're either going to not make a good move, they're not going to make a move at all, or when they bring in somebody, they're going to be trumpeting them and we're going to be able to rip that guy apart in a heartbeat on this show It'd be like, look at the underlying peripherals. Like we did with Deakman when he brought him over last year. We said, this is what this guy really is. Don't get excited. This guy, about this. this guy will have a moment where he right. basically ruins the season. And he did, right. Then you're going to see him make a run. And then they're going to go into a series where it's like a four game series and they have every opportunity and they got to win three out of four and they're going to get swept and they're going to fall off. And in the last two weeks, they'll play just well enough that when they finish in the standings, you'll be like, well, we were close and nothing changes. And if it does change, it'll be Rick Hahn being moved to some other location inside the organization because we never fire anybody. Kenny Williams just hiding out and pretending it wasn't his fault, even though he gets to consult on every move. Whenever it goes well, Kenny takes credit for it. Otherwise, you never hear from him. Okay, that guy's dead. That guy's a joke in there. 
I mean, you went from guy who put together a World Series roster to guy that only speaks up whenever everything's going right. What are you doing? You're the president of baseball operations. You should be going to the to the to the to the owner and saying we need to fire the general manager. He's not the right guy. If you really are above him, that's why I hold you accountable because you're endorsing all of this stuff. And then what will happen is if they move him on, what are they going to do? They're going to bring in Chris Getz. He's got he's got his minor league system that he's been overseeing, where his only qualification seems to have been that he once played for the Chicago White Sox to have that job. His minor league system sucks. He's not like a like a genius. Remember all that that talk at the end of last year? Well, if they move on, it might be Chris Getz. Well, what does that change? Just another underqualified person who hasn't proven anything. And that's the biggest problem with the team. The window for this team to win the championship coming off of the promised rebuild shuts after this season. It does. Lucas Giolito is not going to be here next year. Lance Lynn is not going to be here next year unless you exercise the option on him, which would be a huge mistake because he clearly is cooked, as you said. Mike Clevenger isn't signed for next year. So your starting rotation next year is Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. And we've already discussed that Michael Kopech probably isn't a starter. Right. You don't have four guys in the minors who are world-beating guys. You have one dude. You have Davis Martin. So you're going to have to sign or trade for an entirely new starting rotation. And you tell me that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and this front office is capable of making that kind of a move because then you tell me who are they trading to do this? Who are they going to trade or who are they going to – what money are they going to spend to get four new starting pitchers? But you're going to have – Colas and Robert Jr. and Aloy Jimenez, and you're going to have T.A., I think, has got another year at least. I don't know. They could deal him. You know they're not going to pay the kind of money that he's going to get in the open market. But if you're waiting for this team, if you're waiting for this team to finish the rebuild and get a championship, this is a team that is rapidly aging. This is a team that is rapidly losing all this talent that they've built up. This is a team whose window and whose time is right now. And they are pissing it away. And that's the problem. There's no there's no urgency, Ed. I think that's really the point here at the end. Where is the urgency? Your window is closing. It's time to sit there and say, I don't care what the guy makes. I don't care what the name on the back of his jersey is. I just want the guy that can give me results. And if it's some kid that's doing well down the minors, bring him up. If somebody sucks, get rid of him. Start walking into the middle of team meetings and saying, guess what, guys? Before we start, so-and-so and so-and-so over there, pack your bags. You're no longer on this team. It's time to shake it up. I don't know if we got the guy to do that in there. I don't know if that's what Pedro is. He still thinks Gavin Sheets is an outfielder. The moment he said that in the press and didn't have a gun held to his head and wasn't intoxicated. Are you sure, are you sure he didn't? He lost He lost a lot of credibility with me the moment he said that. Are, are, you sure he, are you sure he didn't have a gun held to his head? Because who else is he going to run out there if he needs another outfielder? They don't have one on the roster. I take anything. Isn't Adam Hazley up there right now? Send him out there. I think Adam Hazley might have defected to Cuba. <laughs> Is that the next step? Is that yeah, the they're next all just step? gonna start going back. <laughs> Even the ones that aren't from there. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on socksinthebasement.com.